So today's Bible reading is from the end of Luke, um, specifically chapter 24, verses 36 to 53. All right. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. That is, is I, myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate in their presence. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethlehem, or Bethany, sorry, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshipping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising God. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Uh, my name is Murray. I'm one of the pastors here at Tingabi Anglican. Great to uh, have you with us today. Happy Easter if we missed you over Easter. Um, and I hope the school holidays or whatever is going on at the moment is going well for you. Now, like um, Shui said, we're going to do a Q&A uh, today, which I find slightly terrifying, uh, just personally. I've never done one before, so we'll see how we go. Um, the way to get questions in for this sermon or for um, just the last series is we're going to use the our connect card function, our connect card function. So um, there's a couple of ways to get to that. Um, there are some QR codes on the backs of seats, not many. There's a QR code on the back of your handout. You can get to the, it that way. The other way to get there is to go to tacklife.church, tacklife.church. It's a members hub, tacklife.church. There's a little thing right at the top that says online Connect card. If you're watching uh, online, you can use the, the Connect card there as well. Don't use the chat because we aren't necessarily see it at the right place. There's a Connect With Us link, or you can go to tacklife.church, click the Connect card button as well. Does that make sense? Anyone have any questions about the question and answer time? No, we're good? All right, yeah, yeah, it's okay. All right. Um, okay, well, we're going to get into this. Um, so a man says to God, with you, God, with you, God, they say that um, 
a minute is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a minute. Is that correct? And God says, yes, it is. And so the man says to God, oh, so does that mean with you like a dollar is like a million dollars? And a million dollars is like a dollar? I guess so, says God. The man says, all right, then would you give me a dollar? Sure, says God, wait here, back in a minute. <laughs> Slow burn, but we got there, good. I don't usually start sermons with jokes, but I think I'll, I'll keep going for the day, it's good. Um, time is tricky, right? Time's a weird kind of concept. Whenever you want something good to happen, it takes forever to come, um, and, but other times you, kind of, you blink and there goes five years. It's kind of hard to wrap our heads around time in and of itself. That's even before we get to the idea of eternity. I wonder what you think about eternity, eternal life. I wonder if you do think about it. I've had some conversations over the last few weeks with people kind of on this, on this topic, on this idea, and this, the responses really kind of range um, across the spectrum. And one person I hear, I mean, they, they hear sermons about eternity and eternal life, and you think kind of like... Uh, sounds a little boring, <laughs> sounds a bit lame, um, it sounds like it takes a long time, is that really better than what I've got going on down here? Someone on that end of the spectrum doesn't really look forward to eternity. On the other hand, someone else I was talking to, it's just holding on to the promises of eternity, holding on to the promises, God's promises, that in eternity there'll be no more crying and sickness and pain, and for that person, that time can't come soon enough. You get the spectrum? I wonder where you sit on it, what you think about eternity, about life beyond the grave. I don't know if you're looking forward to it, or does it sound kind of lame? Maybe our quality of life now impacts how we think about that, I imagine. Maybe our age impacts it, our health, loved ones that we know who may have passed away. These things force us to think through these concepts in a different kind of way. Now today, um, I know in the video I said we're starting a new series, that's, that's kind of next week, uh, we're about to start a new series, but this week we're finishing off our Walking with Jesus uh, series, we're looking at walking into eternity, it's going to be a different kind of style of sermon, um, at least it feels like it is for me, you can tell me afterwards if that's true or not, uh, and it's the sort of thing where if I was going to answer all your questions, we'd be here for three hours and you know, you'd probably need to read a book or something, so... I figure we'll have a Q&A, we can see what questions are really in the room, um, and we can go from there a bit, a bit later. It's just a different sort of idea, a different kind of sermon today. We're going to think about death, we're going to think about what lies beyond that. Because um, uh, often, like in many of our, our talks, our sermons, our Bible studies, we kind of talk about you know, the hope of heaven, the hope of eternity, hope of eternal life, and that being the motivation for us to do things in the here and now, to keep us going. But if our ideas of heaven and, and eternal life are, are confused, if they're shaped more by Hollywood and by other spiritualities and less from God's Word, the Bible, then, then that doesn't always translate as a great motivation to do things. We have often simplistic, even childish views of the great beyond and it's fair enough that that kind of ends up being less than appealing for some. But we each face death. How do we face it? Uh, theologian Gerald Bray puts it like this. He says, The way that we approach death is the most telling index of the quality of our belief. The secular mind cannot see beyond death and tries to put it off as long as possible. In modern society, death is the great unmentionable subject, and when it occurs prematurely, it's almost impossible for some people to come to terms with it. 
He goes on, it's the reason he says that many have walked away from their faith, this, um, this reality. Do we confidently walk with Jesus towards our own death? This is big stuff, like I said. There could be a series on this. But what I want to get to, I want to, today I want to look at Jesus. I always like to look at Jesus. I want to look at Jesus. I want to see in his death, in his resurrection, and in his, in his ascension. We're going to look at his death, resurrection, and ascension. We're going to see that Jesus becomes a new creation. So that we can be new creations and walk with him into an eternal new creation. Jesus becomes a new creation, promises this renewal for us too to enjoy in a renewed creation. We're going to think about the difference that resurrection makes, the difference that ascension of Jesus makes. And then we're going to jump off the end of this passage and think about eternity in some general General idea is going to jump around the Bible a little bit then, and of course, later, if you have questions, which I'm sure you will, we'll deal with them a little later as well. Anyway, where are we in Luke? To catch us up, uh, we've been walking through uh, the Gospel of Luke alongside the disciples as we've, thought, as we've thought about being disciples ourselves. We've walked with Jesus to become uh, like Jesus. We've been thinking about our commitments as disciples, Commitments to transformation and obedience and service and the call to die to ourselves that we might have life. We went through all that, went through the Easter story, walked with Jesus to the cross, walked out of the tomb with him, walked with the Emmaus Road disciples, if you joined us on Easter Sunday. And we kind of joined the story with those disciples, if you remember um, Cleopas and his mate, um, who'd been walking with Jesus down the Emmaus Road, uh, and when we come into the story, they are kind of debriefing with the rest of the crew. They're debriefing with the rest of the disciples, and they're saying, you know, we saw Jesus. Um, he was walking with us. It, it took a while, but we recognized him eventually. And then we come into verse 36, where we had the reading from before. Uh, As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled, he asked them, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? I'm always confused by these bits of the Bible. Why are you troubled? Well, let me tell you, the guy I just saw died appeared in the locked room with us. That's troubling, or at least surprising. Um, but I think maybe it came across as a more comforting tone at the time, maybe. But he goes on to prove that it's, that, that it's really him. I won't read it all, but through verse 39 to 43, he says, Look at my scars. I really am the one who hung on the cross. He says, touch me and see that I'm real. I'm flesh and bone. I'm not a ghost. He says, look, uh, I'll prove it, right? Where, where's some fish? I'll eat, I'll eat some fish. I, I'm truly physically, humanly here. And Jesus goes at great length to, to demonstrate that. And he changes gears. He goes on. He says, well, hang on. This resurrection, in some ways, it shouldn't be a surprise to you. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He says, this is what was written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Imagine that aha moment at that that time when he opens their minds, it says, to understand the Scriptures, to help them see the big picture. Oh, this is what's going on the whole time. Jesus tells them this this resurrection was promised. It was foretold. 
He says, look, I'm really resurrected. See my flesh, see my bone. The resurrection was promised. My resurrection is physical. And this kickstarts the next phase of our mission. Repentance of forgiveness of sins proclaimed to all nations. The resurrection really happens. The mission really begins. So let's think about this idea of uh, resurrection just for a moment. Let's think about this, this concept. And I think about what, the question, well, what difference does it make that Jesus was resurrected as a man of flesh? Does it matter that he was flesh? Could he have just been some sort of spirit or something? Well, we get the clues that, that the Jews, unlike kind of most other nations around them, or, or any other one, they actually expect an end times resurrection. They expect the, uh, a day when, when the dead will rise uh, for, for the judgment or, or for whatever. And, and I'm not, not going to go through the Old Testament and kind of show that, but, but we see that even, um, you know the story with um, Lazarus who dies? Uh, Lazarus, the, um, the brother of Mary and Martha, he dies and um, Jesus is comforting, um, I think it's, it's Martha, yeah, he says to his sister Martha that, that Lazarus will rise again and, and she says, um, you have it on the screen, in John 11, Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So it's just a, kind of just a clue. They're expecting some kind of end times resurrection, a, a physical resurrection of the dead. But what caught them by surpi- surprise, right, is that this, this, was, this happened early for one person. Jesus was the first to come back from the dead and not die again. Now, Lazarus came back from the dead. It's, it's a sign that was coming. But Jesus, uh, this resurrection came early. Uh, he died and was brought back to life, never to die again. And he was the one to defeat death for us. So this could happen for us too. This resurrection came earlier than they expected. And 1 Corinthians, right? 1 Corinthians 15 um, explains it's the concept of the first fruits for the harvest. Jesus is like the first crop, which shows that the harvest is coming, that gives confidence. The logic goes like this, because Jesus was raised from the dead, those of us who stand with him can expect the same thing. We too can be raised from the dead. So Jesus is saying, the resurrection you expect at the end times, that can happen. That will happen. You can still believe it. You can believe that. And, and we actually, we declare that we believe that all the time, even if you don't realize it. Um, we say the words in the various creeds that say, I believe in the resurrection. And the resurrection we're actually talking about there is our resurrection, not Jesus' resurrection. I wonder if you've noticed that. I believe in the resurrection and the life of the world to come. So, what clues does this resurrection of Jesus give us about our resurrection? What clues does Jesus' resurrection give us about eternity, about eternal life? Well, a couple of things. I think the resurrection of Jesus means that our eternity too will be physical. Physical. Jesus goes great length to show, I'm not a floaty spirit, I'm flesh and bone. Touch me, feel me, give me some food to eat. And if he's the, the first fruit of this resurrection, then what, he, what is happening to him is, is what will more or less happen to, to us. We can expect a physical resurrection too. If you're not thrilled by the idea of being a spiritual blob floating around in a golden something, playing a harp maybe if you've got hands, 
That's not what, it's not what we're talking about here. What, what, is, what is looked forward to here is a physical, physical people, but in eternity. Now, we will in some ways be different, just as Jesus' body was different in some way to what it was before. You know, he not recognized at first by some, turning up in locked rooms, disappearing. There's, there's clues that this body that he has, while being physical, is in some way beginning to be fitted for eternity. So, I mean, and there's only so much I can say with clarity about that. It's clues, yeah? But the physicality is important. We don't know exactly what our bodies will be like. We know they'll be better than they are now. 1 Corinthians 15 gives those um, metaphors of, you know, the body now like a seed and the body then like the, the beautiful plant. And 1 Corinthians 15, verse 42, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power. This is kind of same but different and better image going on. But Jesus was raised physically, so we will be too. That's one thing. Uh, another thing, uh, the resurrection means, the resurrection of Jesus means our resurrection, our eternity will be personal. Personal. Where do I get this from? Well, it's worth noting that, that once Jesus was raised, he was still Jesus, wasn't he? He was Jesus. It took the disciples a while to recognize him, but because there's, there's some change in his body ready for eternity, but they, they got there. And, and Jesus, with his friends, they were still his friends, yeah? Even in his perfected body, he had Jesus' scars. It was still very much Jesus. And I guess in the same way, we, we can expect for our eternity that we will be us too. Perfected us, but us nonetheless. Not, again, impersonal blobs of spirit floating about, not kind of cookie-cutter robot angels or something. I'll be Murray in eternity. But I'll be everything that Murray was meant to be everything that Murray should be. I'll be Murray, but I'll be everything that, that Murray was meant to be. I find that a hugely comforting thought, I think, because I'm not sure I want to be me as I am in eternity. Um, and maybe you can feel the same way. Um, the resurrection shows us all kinds of things. But, but two hints about our eternity, physical, personal. And the resurrection really matters. It really actually matters that it is physical and really happened. It's the thing on which our faith as Christians rests. Um, don't take my word for it. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says it so clearly. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 13, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our proclamation, our teaching is in vain. And so is your faith. Skip on a bit, verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. The resurrection matters. If it didn't happen, we shouldn't be wasting our time here each Sunday. Everything in our faith depends on this actually happening. It's promised, it's physical, it's personal. And look, it, it's okay that it's hard to wrap our heads around. I'm not saying it's a simple thing uh, to believe. I think eternity is kind of a hard thing to get our heads around, let alone the resurrection. But it is what, we, what must have happened if what we say is, is true, if, if our hope has any basis to it.
There's a lot more to say on that, <laughs> but we'll keep going. Um, ascension, let's get to ascension. So the resurrection uh, really matters, but often we kind of end up stopping there at resurrection. Um, we kind of think, you know, death and resurrection are the core, and they, and they are. But, but what about the next bit? What about his ascension? What about his returning to, to, to heaven, to, to the Father's side? What difference does that bit of the story make to our eternity? I'm just going to read that bit of uh, Luke again, just to catch us up. Um, Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things and look, I'm sending you what the father, my father promised, that's, that's his, this, his spirit. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out into the vicinity of Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshipping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple praising God. Uh, another amazing moment to witness, to have been there for, and once again, a hard moment for us to wrap our heads around. Jesus being carried off, somehow, to this, into, into, into the heavens. Now, it's hard to imagine, I certainly find it hard to imagine myself, but, but if this happened, what difference does it make? What difference does it make if Jesus is physically taken to heaven? Well, he said that to his disciples that they'll be empowered from on high, that's one thing. We know Luke's, from Luke's sequel, the book of Acts, he wrote Luke and then he wrote Acts as well, we know that that's the Holy Spirit that he promises and that's the Spirit of Jesus, come back to be with his people, the, the, the counsellor that we're promised in, in John chapter 16 and, he, and he, he goes so that he can be with us by his Spirit. As a man on earth, he's limited by his body. As he goes, he can send his Spirit to be with us now, it's for our benefit that he goes. So he can be with us, with his disciples across space and time. The Spirit of Jesus is, is how we walk with Jesus even today, how we can be united to him. So the ascension means that this can happen, that we can be united with Jesus by his Spirit, empowered by him. The ascension had to happen so he could be with us by his Spirit. Another reason, and this one kind of blew my mind a little bit as I kind of thought about this to some level. You know, you guys don't know that kind of phrase Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. You know that? You're familiar with that verse? I should have looked it up where it is. I think it's in John. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean Jesus is somewhere using his carpentry skills to kind of knock up a number of mansions and dig a few thousand heavenly swimming pools? No, I don't think that's what it, what, don't think that's what it means. I think what Jesus is saying when he says he goes to prepare a place for us is, is he goes to make a way that humanity can again be in the presence of God. I prepare a way for humanity to return to the presence of God. That's the whole point, right? This is the whole problem that needs to be fixed in the first place. Uh, stories of the garden, how, how humanity was with God in, in freedom and, and, and without shame and they, they walked with Him and when they rebelled, they were excluded from God's presence. They were excluded from the garden. That's the original problem that we have, the separation between God and, he, and His people. And so that's what Jesus reverses. That's what Jesus fixes in His ascension. Yes, true, His death pays a penalty for our sins his resurrection shows the defeat of the death, but it's this ascension that really kind of rounds the story out, finishes it off, brings it full circle. Humanity cut off from the presence of God. Now, the first fruits, the forerunner of a new humanity, comes to be in the presence of God. 
physical, personal humanity in the presence of God, just like the beginning. And so what we're, we're promised is our eternity too will be physical people in the presence of God. We kind of, you see how that kind of comes full circle? That's the problem. Um, separation from God. And, and now we have the first fruit of this, this problem being fixed. Humanity in the presence of God. It's kind of full circle. I mean, it's not entirely full circle yet, is it? It's not, not there yet. We're still in the here and now. The first fruits has come. The harvest is coming. We don't fully experience it yet. So what do we hope for? What do we look forward to in the life that's beyond this one? What are we told? What are we told by, uh, I guess, the, the movies and all those kinds of things? We kind of tend to think that when we die, or when Jesus returns, we'll go to heaven. And the movies and ads tell us what that's like. It's a place of fluffy clouds and baby angels, a lot of white walls and white clothes. St. Peter's there at the gate. We'll sit around strumming harps and eating, was it cream cheese? Is that those ads? Philadelphia. And the Frere Rochers, the chocolates of the gods. None of that's really supported by the Bible. I don't even think cream cheese is in the Bible at all. <laughs> I haven't done a word search, to be honest. But, but there's, there's other slightly more Christianized views, and some of these can come from um, taking the images of Revelation uh, quite literally, and some imagine heaven to be um, standing around singing all the time in worship around a throne. Now, that could be fun. We've, we've, we've missed singing, but for eternity... <laughs> All the time? Is that what's going to happen? Is that what it looks like? These are often our images of going to heaven when we die. But there's a problem. You know, there's actually even a problem in saying we go to heaven when we die. Even that's not a particularly biblical statement. Do we hope to go to heaven? Well, uh, if you do a word study on the word heaven in the Bible, right? It appears 600 and something times, I don't know. And for most of the times, it means sky or the place where the birds are. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies. That's one use. The other use is it's the place where God's doing his thing, where, where God is working. It's like the throne room of God. It's like God HQ. Heaven in, in the scriptures is the spiritual reality of God at work. And in the ancient mind, fair enough, it's up there in the heavens somewhere. Do you understand? That's, that's what we kind of think. And yeah, in Luke it says, he ascends and he's carried into heaven, up into the sky, into the presence of God. And we were told he will return from there, Matthew 24, verse 30. And so, and through, through the book of, of Matthew, kingdom of God is called the kingdom of heaven, but that's a kingdom we're part of even now. Where do we get this idea of we go to heaven when we die? What is it we're actually promised? What do we actually see in the Scriptures? What are we told to hope for? Well, the, the clearest phrase, the clearest thing that we come to time and time again uh, is what we look forward to is the new heavens and the new earth. The new heavens and the new earth. We hope for a new creation. Um, Isaiah 65 says, For I'll create a new heavens and a new earth, and the past events will not be remembered or come to mind then be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating. For I'll create Jerusalem to be a joy. Um, the sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. It's one of our images of the future. Again, the Bible closes with, with that same idea, Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Stated really clearly 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. But based on His promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. New heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. The new heavens, the new earth, that's what we're looking forward to at the end. A new creation, not simply this idea of heaven. And all these passages, right, these, these images of new creation, what are they echoing? They're echoing the first creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now He promises the same kind of thing, but renewed and better. What, what's different from now? Well, to Peter, righteousness dwells there. From Isaiah and Revelation, no more tears, no more death, grieving, crying and pain. So it's a new creation without the things that muck up this one. How do we know what it's going to be like? Well, it's not entirely clearly stated very like exactly, but our best bet in thinking about a new creation is thinking about the creation that we've we already got. But not what it's like now, what it was meant to be like. You know, a bit like I'll be Murray, but I'll be everything Murray was meant to be. I think the new creation will be the creation of everything it was meant to be and better. Not something airy, fairy or floaty or, or golden. That's taking the metaphors of Revelation too far, I think. Our eternity we look forward to is that in a new creation. Put it all together. We're expecting to be raised when Jesus returns. Somehow physical, but better. Still you and I, still ourselves, everything that we were meant to be. We look forward to being in this new creation, everything it was meant to be, everything we were meant to be. And the key thing is that this, in this new creation, we will walk with God again. We'll walk with God again. Revelation 21, verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and He will live with them. They'll be His peoples and God Himself will be their God. God will be with His people. How? Because Jesus made a way for humanity to be with God. People to be with God. Life back in the true presence of God. Like in the beginning, the garden. God in perfect relationship. That's what we look forward to again. Not just, not just back in the garden, but, but everything it was meant to be. You know, everything it was meant to develop and to fill the earth and subdue it. Everything like it should have been if it wasn't broken. Everything in the curse reversed. Perfect relationships with God. Perfect with each other. Perfect with our world. Untarnished creation. I think we'll have meaningful, useful work, just as Adam and Eve were given meaningful and useful work. I think we'll have stuff to do in new creation. What will, what will eternally be like? How, that, how will we experience that? I don't know. I don't know what, the, what that experience will be like. But I know that, that I'll be there with my heart properly ordered, things that I love. The, the pro, I'll be loving the, the proper things. No idols pulling me away from God. No struggles with sin. We will walk with Jesus because we will have become like Jesus. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being in that new creation and there with you as well. I think what's beautiful also is that we walk towards this, this, this day. As we walk towards this day, we, we, we do walk with Jesus, who has walked our path before us. And, and even today, we walk as new creations, with Jesus' Spirit in us. 2 Corinthians verse 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come.
look forward to experiencing that fully. <laughs> we can be in Christ, united with Him. Why? Because He came, walked this broken world to be with us. He walked with ordinary people, called them to be His disciples. He walked to the cross alone to pay for our sins. He walked into new life, defeated death for us. He walked into heaven, or take up into heaven, so that He could still be with us by His Spirit, so He can walk with us, we can walk with Him each day. He walks with us now, preparing us for that new creation that we will see on the last day. And He walks with us, as He walks with us by His Spirit, He transforms us. We learn obedience and service. We walk His path of dying to live as we prepare for that new creation. We look forward to walking with Him again in the new creation where everything sad has come untrue, where everything is as it's meant to be. That's the eternity we walk towards. That's our hope. There is an awful lot more to say on this subject, and I hope you've had some questions as I've been going through. Again, you may be able to sneak a question or two in if uh, you want to through our Connect Card link, taclife.church. Um, you've got a few minutes as we sing our next song uh, to maybe get a question in if you would like. Hi, I'm Adele. I'll be um, moderating this morning with a few of your curly questions. We took out the hard ones, though. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I've only got hard ones here. Yeah. So, hang on, before we start, yeah. the, the caveat is, the reason I don't like question times, and I'll say this now, is that often the question doesn't get answered um, because we don't understand everything behind the question. So, we'll do our best. Mm. If you have follow-up, we can do follow-up later. Um, I don't know everything, so I can't answer every question. But we'll give, that a, give it a good go. So, yeah, thanks for the questions that have come in. Some good ones. I think it was a really good sermon series, Murray, and I think one of the things that popped out to me this morning was the, the physicality. Hmm. Um, will we have physical bodies during the resurrection? And the way you drew that out of the passage this morning was one of those moments like, oh my gosh, because I think we don't always, you know, we have, we're living our lives, but those hard questions about when we die, like, they're some tough ones. Hmm. Yeah, and we don't always have all the answers. So it was really good that you drew that out this morning. So, Murray, do you think we'll recognise each other? In eternity? Mm. Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> because Jesus uh, was recognisable, even if it took a while, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think if we're physical, if we're who we're meant to be, I think we will. Now, that raised a bunch of other questions. Uh, how old will you be in the resurrection? Um, if you... Spend your life in a wheelchair now. I imagine you won't then, but we'll know who you are and, and what age you'll be at. So, so I think there's, there's questions about what that exactly looks like. Mm. People kind of worry about having less good relationships with their friends and family in, in eternity. Like, oh, what about my friends, my family? Like, what about them? I, I think we'll know who they are and I think our relationships with them will be better than they ever have been. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'll do on that one. Yeah. I guess one of the questions that came through was that, you know, when Jesus appeared to his disciples after he'd been re after the resurrection and then he went off to heaven, what was his body like at that point? Yeah, what was his body like? Like, so, yeah, in terms of, did he keep it? There is the question of, if, mm. is, is Jesus' body still the same in eternity as it was in that kind of between the resurrection and the ascension. And I'd have to say, I mean, one, it's impossible to say exactly. Um, 
I think if he is the first fruits of the harvest to come, then there's got to be some pretty strong link between what he's like then and what he's still like now. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's an old quote, I don't know who, who, who said it, but they say that the, the dust of Jerusalem is in the throne room of God. Like, he, he walked up the hill and was taken to, to, to heaven and somehow there's, he is physically there. Where there is, is a mm. metaphysically tricky question to think about. But yeah. um, I think you're pretty close. I mean, there's clues in other places and it's hard to know what to take from different clues. There's clues from the transfiguration appearances of Moses and Elijah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to draw anything clear from that. I think it'll be pretty darn close to what it was like. Um, but, but still, Jesus was in a, in, a, in a temporal world with time on his way into eternity. So I'm not going to say definitively it's exactly the same. I think I'm pretty happy to say definitively that it's still physical and mm. still very much Jesus in a personal way. Um, is there any more modification between now and between the, the resurrection and now? I don't know. Mm. It's, it's hard to say, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think floaty spiritual blob. Yeah. Let's not do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, where was Jesus? The question here is, it's, I'm curious about what happened after Jesus' death and before his resurrection. Where was he? What does that tell us about what we can expect between our death and resurrection? I hear the little mmms around mm. that. <laughs> uh, I think that's two parts of that question. I'm not sure I can tie a direct link between the two. Um, where was Jesus between his death and resurrection? Does he have to be somewhere? Mm. I don't know. Uh, when did he raise and how did he get out of the tomb and how was the, the door opened? I imagine he got up from where he was. I don't know, actually, but I haven't really thought about that too clearly, what, where Jesus himself was in that time. Uh, it, it, it appears that Jesus finishes his work on the cross. He says it is finished. Mm. Um, so I don't think I'd want to say Jesus went to hell um, in that time. Uh, there's... Um, I was talking with someone about this the other day. There's this um, clear statement that Jesus is raised on the first day of the week. Um, the first day of the week, it's supposed to on like the seventh day or the eighth day. It's on, it's on the first day of the week and in, in some ways, uh, if you look at a kind of creation model, Jesus finishes his work and was that some kind of rest between then and, the, and, and his resurrection body? Once again, it's hard to say definitively. Um, but what Jesus does is, is start a new thing. Mm. As he is resurrected, he starts a new life, a new creation, a new, a new week cycle in like that, that kind of seven-day model. Mm. Um, so that's kind of one point, in, so I don't really know <laughs> in what mm. Jesus was like between those two points. Uh, but for us, between, between our death and the end times resurrection, um, I think what we can say is that we will be with, we will be with Jesus, that we'll be at peace with Jesus, uh, there's questions as to whether we'll be aware of time in that time, whether it will feel like for us that we die and then are raised into the new creation like, like that. Um, 
there's, there's reason to kind of suggest there might be some awareness, like Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm. As in, and but whether it just feels like today or it actually is that day is another question. But um, um, So uh, that, that, that gives you a clue that he's aware of being it at peace and aware, aware of being um, with God in that time. Yeah, so in theological terms, they call this the intermediate state, and there's questions around that, and once again, because it's not heaps clear, people have different ideas on it. I think we can pretty uh, happily say we're not into purgatory um, as, a, as a concept. Um, there's no real kind of uh, basis for saying that you can then work off your sins post-death. Post um, it comes from an idea where people do pray for those who've departed, and that was a tradition that some had. I'm not quite sure what they thought happened at that time, but I think that's not enough to build the whole doctrine of purgatory on. Um, so I, I think what we can say is that we'll be with God, we'll be with Jesus somehow. I don't think we'll be in our resurrected form until, until the end, um, but the question is how we experience that. I don't really know. It could be like that. We may just be happily at peace for some millennia or however long it may be and and we'll be outside of time as we know it yeah. so see i watch a lot of science fiction yeah, right. and so these kind of concepts it sits quite comfortably with me yeah right <laughs> cryogenically kind of like yeah just you know alternate universe that sort of thing it just sort of <laughs> it just, it just that's, works yeah, it's okay. just that's how it works for me but um yeah yeah so i mean i think one we don't exactly know what's like Hmm. To we'll be with Jesus and we'll be safe nice. with him, we look forward to new creation and we'll just see when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Jesus has got it. Yeah. He's got it sorted. Yeah. Um, Murray, so how can we make sure that the fall won't happen again in the new heaven and the new earth? This person writes, I don't understand why the fall was possible in the first place and how can we have certainty that there won't be another fall? the big issues for you this morning. Mm, it's mm. big. Somehow we want to say that... Uh, do you want to say that the fall was God's plan? That's tricky to say. It's, the fall wasn't outside God's sovereignty in the first place. And in some way, where we'll get to in the new creation will be better than even the garden. There's a progression. We move from the garden to the city. Um, the imagery of Genesis to Revelation. There's still a, a not quite completeness to the garden. They were, they were given the task, fill the earth, subdue it. There was progress to be made still. So, and, and it seems that that path went through the fall, the cross, grace, reconciliation. Like in some... For some reason, in God's the way God worked, that that's the the path um, that it took. In that it will be better somehow. It's hard to like it's hard, it's hard to get your head around that because a lot of bad stuffs happen. Mm. Um, some reason we we see the glory of God and the grace of God in greater ways, having the, the history gone the way that it's gone under God's sovereignty. Um, how will the fall not happen again? Uh, so there's a, a question of, of like, will we have free will? Mm. Will we have um, agency? Or are we going to be some sort of robot angels who can't like? So we didn't want, didn't want in the first place. Now uh, uh, the question is where, where sin comes from at all. 
It's another big question. And, and the, way that, the way that sin manifests in our life, every day, in everything that we, that we do, is that we love things more than we love God, we love things more than we love Jesus, yeah. and that's what flows out into actions which we call sin. Yeah. Um, we love even good things more than we love God, um, even if it's, it's our family or, or you know, work, all those kinds of things, the good things. And so what we would need to, to have in the new creation, to not do that again, is hearts that are properly ordered, that actually love Jesus mm. above everything else, that love the small things a small amount, the medium things a medium amount, large things a lot, and Jesus above all, because he loves us infinitely. Uh, and so... Um, and how do we get to that point? Well, that's the whole thing we talk about as we walk with Jesus is, is as we see Jesus and what he's done for us, our hearts are transformed um, to be more and more like his. So I, I think what we look forward to at the end is our hearts being made like Jesus. Yeah. Um, I'll read 1 John. We're going to look at 1 John over the next few weeks, so we're going to get to this again at some point. But 1 John chapter 3, uh, verse 2. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because we will see Him as He is. We'll be like Him because we will see Him as He is. I think it's this experience of actually seeing Jesus and actually knowing Him, actually having that relationship and actually uh, having our hearts transformed by seeing Him as He is in that moment is what, how our hearts will be transformed such that sin and idolatry won't even be an option, I think. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what I'm going with at the moment. You know? So if you <laughs> have other <laughs> thoughts, come back to me on that. But I, but I think that's, that's how that kind of thing works. Yeah. Thanks, Murray. It's all right. Good. Your brain hurt? A little bit. Yeah. You only had a coffee. No, yeah. always. We might wrap it up there. There cool. are um, one or two other questions, but I'll get you to have a look at those afterwards. Great. Um, if you need to follow up with those people. Excellent. Thanks, Murray. Thank you, Adele. Thank you. Thanks.